1: Hi everyone, this is Raghu Marcus, this is Mind Rolling, and unfortunately, I'm sad to say that my erstwhile partner, David Silver, is like way under the weather, so this is going to be a big hole in our podcast life, uh, but we're going to get through it, and uh David's going to get better. He's just got a vicious flu and can't talk, which is not good if you're doing a podcast. So here's what we're doing, and I'm about to introduce it, or I am introducing it, which is a few weeks ago, we were in Maui at this spring retreat with Ram Dass and Krishnas. We've mentioned it, I believe, on the last podcast and uh, Roshi Joan Halifax, and Duncan Trussell was also with us. We, were do- we did a session with Ram Das that will uh, be released soon, in the next couple of months. And so we did this great thing with Duncan, and then we invited up uh, our good friend, Jared Le- Levy, also known as Gagen Baba who is a family member and part of our team at Love Serve. And uh, we'll, we'll tell you more about him if you've listened to any Sharon Salzberg podcast on MindPod Network. We did a great one with him around uh, purpose. So, uh, so this and not to be uh, forgotten because I'd be dead. And that is my wonderful saraswati i keep saying the beautiful saraswati which she is but now it's the wonderful saraswati uh was also teaching yoga she teaches the yoga at the retreat so she happened to be there and i just like called her out of the audience to lend her uh wisdom the wisdom of saraswati the goddess so uh This uh, is, nothing can ever replace David Silver, nothing, okay? And I miss just doing this and hanging out with him. It's like one of the things I look forward to every week. And so this is, uh, I think it'll be a pretty good replacement, though. I think we did a, there's some interesting things in it. Uh, We talked about relationship to the guru, the people uh, who had met neemkaroli baba maharaji in india all those years ago and people who were just sort of finding out about it all in the last number of years or even 10 or 20 and uh and their relationship to what that is and i i'm going to say one thing that's going to uh, just be the uh, my note before I, I I play the podcast or we play the podcast and that is just a little story and it's from Lama Surya Das, who is also on MindPod Network, by the way. And it is about the first time he met Neem Karoli Baba and he was in a a very close family member's house and he came for the first time, twenty years old. He had been into, he was really into meditation he came in and they said, Well, Maharaji's not here. He's in the back in his room, but uh, you, you can just sit where he usually sit, sit in front of where he usually sits on this bench It's called a tucket. And so uh, he did so. And he deeply experienced that presence, which we call Neem Karoli Baba, not meeting him at all. And then suddenly someone taps him on the shoulder and says, Okay, he's ready to see you. So he goes in the back, and there is the physical Maharaji. And he has this whole incredible uh, uh, darshan presence of Maharaji in a way that was, you can't say it was diminished from his experience. Alone in the living room just meditating and, and completely being in the presence of what that thing really is. It's a silly thing to say that thing, but it is, it is a that that we cannot explain. And, uh, and then suddenly he's in this playful in with this playful personality known as Neem Karoli Baba. And that playful personality he would he called, the little Maharaji. And the big Maharaji was what he experienced in deeper meditative uh, uh, space before he met the physical. So that gives you a a little bit of a clue as to what that reality is and why people who have never met him, that that physical thing is not a barrier whatsoever. And I've known so many people to be this case, literally hundreds, I would say. Um, so, uh, that is a bit of the, there's a, there's a real, gets into a real discussion around this. And of course, Duncan is his usual funny, self-deprecating self. And, uh, we love him and he, at the end, okay, stuff comes out of him. Okay. That belies his, um, well, his own view of himself. Let's put it that way. And at the very end, stick it out to the end of this. I'm not going to tell you anything about it, but he comes up with a uh, a window on a reality that, to me, in my little light, is very, very apt. He got it, I thought. So here we go. Oh, and uh, nothing about... See, David's not here. We can't get his... Uh, his sister, Bernadine, to do anything to help us along here with the support for mindrollingpodcast.com or MindPod Network with all of our wonderful family, Ram Das and Lama Surya Das and Krishna Das and Jack Cornfield and Sharon Salzberg. And we've got Chris Grosso. we got Michael Donahue and Tara Brock. Now, it's just uh, expanding. And we folks are going to do a crowdfunding to Handle the the incredible growth here. Uh, there's over a hundred thousand of you just joining us here uh, every month, and and downloading and streaming all these different podcasts and taking advantage of these beautiful wisdom pieces that we are uh, sourcing and curating uh, on the site. And there's going to be more to come because what we want to do is, uh, is, with this crowdfunding, aside from the expansion which needs people, we want to create a new app that'll be a hub, an eco, a self, a self-contained ecosystem. All right, where all of this stuff is going to be available and more pushes to your. Daily on on your phone, you'll get uh, you get medita You'll be able to use a meditation timer. There'll be a push of a different meditation that you can do, or you can choose from. There'll be online courses. There'll be words of uh, something special. Is it gonna be? It is it gonna be. So this is Raghu Marcus. We thank you for your support. Please look out for that crowdfunding. It's on Indiegogo May twenty ninth. And, uh, and, and please continue to talk to us. And uh, you've been sharing, and it's just phenomenal to hear people's different takes on the MindPod network. We will see you back with Dave next week. Meanwhile, here is myself, Duncan, Gagen Baba, also known as Jared Levy, and Saraswati. Mind rolling. So we agreed to do this because Mike asked us to do this, actually. And uh, we've been doing uh, a bunch of podcasts in the background, so well, a couple, right? Uh, with Christian Das and Roshi that are going to be pretty interesting. And um, so we've just been grinding it out here day after day.
2: Right? Yeah, it's such a grind. I mean, oh, God, yeah. horrible. Talking, you know, it's so difficult to yeah, get your yeah. vocal cords to articulate sounds. Well, no, out of but the, some
1: of the some of the subject matter has been a little bit it's been gravitas. Heavy. Right? It's been
2: heavy. It has been intense. And you, for, whenever I come to these things, I forget that there is this strange intensity that honestly you, you feel so weirdly high by day three that you start, I, so the, the skeptical part of me starts thinking, are these guys putting something in the chai? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's this weird buzz that starts happening. What do you, That's what's the your, cult th-
1: thing we were talking about. Yes, with,
2: with, with Krishnadas. Krishna yeah. I right. asked them about, because uh, we were doing this, po- we, I, we did a podcast with Krishnadas, and um, <clears throat> of course a lot of talk about uh, Maharaji, and so I, uh, I, I had to get them to explain to the listeners how this wasn't, how he was an occult leader, um, which I think is a really important thing to help, help people with. Because a lot of people, when you go back to the world and you talk about, well, you know, it's about this guy in a blanket who has magical powers, and they're going to be like, okay, Scientologist.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, he gave a good explanation of that, though. What's oh, the yeah. difference, right? Well, we, yeah. we'll post it on our bulletin board so that... Nobody... No,
2: it was great. It, I mean, the, expl- it's this, the explanation, of course, was... This is a dark thing to start this off on, by the way. I didn't mean to <laughs> I go wonder here. wonder why. But, uh, yeah, the explanation was great, which was that... And it's an interesting explanation that uh, Maharaji died without a bank account and owned nothing. And then when you go back and look at the videos, of course, and you guys probably already know this, but when you go and look at the stories, he really was living like... A beggar. He had nothing except that blanket, and that was it. It's really the fascinating. Pot,
1: the water pot. He had a water pot.
2: I didn't know he had a water pot.
1: And some uh, chimtas, which are fire tongs. That was from his, you know, early in his life, where he was a, a sitting around fire, and uh, and the blanket. He had the blanket, so that was it. But it was more about he didn't want anything from any. There was no, well, there was no even. Dialogue. Never mind asking for. I mean, he did ask Ramdas for his uh, for the Land Rover, of course.
2: Right. Which is when you read about him, you know. I just started. What was the book? The by His Grace.
1: Oh yeah, that's what. we So we're I've talking been reading
2: about. this book for those of you. A lot of you guys, especially who came in from the podcast, maybe don't know a ton of of the stories. You just hear the Ramdas story, and and that's it. But this book is really good, and it was really funny to me because the the chapter I opened up to. It's written by his translator, one of his main translators. And the translator... Wait, would...
1: wait. Dada Mukherjee, and we can't call him Sorry. a translator. He is like uh, He's... one of the closest people to Maharaji, and he was the most selfless person I ever met. Maharaji, not counting, because he wasn't really... So Dada was... Uh, I mean, the way that he brought us into his family was extraordinary. So yeah, he's sorry.
2: A, so he's more than a translator. He's an amazing human. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. Jesus. So yes.
1: you're going <laughs> to hell. I know it.
2: So uh, thanks. Uh, the chapter I opened up to is really funny because he said that the Westerners, Ram Das, probably you, would complain because he wasn't fully translating everything that Maharaji said. And he said the reason he wasn't doing that is because he didn't know how to translate the insults. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious to me. <laughs> to think that, you know, because there's this side to him that I don't, it, the, there's a real trickster side to him that comes out in that book that I, I wasn't quite aware of. And there's another side to him that's really interesting that comes out in that book, which was, and I, you guys do talk about this, but he really did it seems like he really did just want to wander he wanted to wander around he was such a free spirit that he didn't like being in any one place for any given amount of time
1: yeah, not more than 3 days until maybe 7 or 8 years before he left that body he would only then he would start then only then like where the ashrams built and all that like in the 60s so maybe you know so 10 years or so 10 12 years so, yeah, he used to wander around and just take meals wherever anybody offered him, which is why he got so huge, because people were feeding him like 12 meals a night. So he'd be eating all day. Um, but I asked Duncan, so you read this but bo- Who knows this book, first of all, in this audience, Dada Mukherjee, By His Grace? This is what, maybe 10%, 15%? You weren't looking. Um,
2: I was looking. I saw it. Um, <laughs> Wasn't able to do it. Sorry, I couldn't do an immediate calculation. I'm not the Terminator.
1: I like doing those kind of exercises. Walking. In How many people are in the room? Yeah. Um, okay. So, but these, uh, to me, Dada's book is if you really want to get a feeling about Maharaji, Dada's book by His Grace and the Near and the Dear. There's two of them. The first is kind of his direct story, and the second is. His uh, he stor- stories he collected of the other very close devotees, including K. C. Tuari, who you heard Krishnadas talk about yesterday. So, uh, is the book? It's still open. So after this thing, get Dada's book if you really want to know. Um, and in it, I was saying. Did you, so I said to him. So you did you? He said he read part of the book. So I go. Did you read the part of what happened when he first met Maharaj No, I skipped through the book. So you miss the most important thing in the book.
2: What 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 is that?
1: He went. He was a student. I'll just tell this quick. He doesn't even like these stories, by the way. Whenever he said, "I don't like you telling stories about Maharaji."
2: You're literally gonna throw me under the bus <laughs> in front of a picture of Maharaji at a retreat about Maharaji.
1: I'm Thanks, Rago. Uh, it's uh, from mind rolling. I'm used to David. He doesn't mind.
2: Well, can I say, can I defend myself yes. before you talk? So it's not that I don't like the stories. I think the stories are, are really interesting and, uh, and beautiful. And I, can, and I take a lot from the stories. But sometimes it feels a lot like when somebody tells you, oh, man, I took the best acid last week. It was such a good trip. Do you have any more of that acid? oh no, it's gone, it was, it's gone. It's, it, it's, in the same way, it feels like you guys now. <clears throat> it's a weird way to explain it. Wow. In the, in, 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 so, so in the same way, it's like, okay, I get it. You guys got to hang around this being that was possibly channeling Hanuman, <clears throat> maybe an incarnation of Hanuman. Who knows what Hanuman even is, but you got to be around this being. And and I do understand that we get to be around that being in a kind of in the gestalt, which is the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So when all of us gather together here with you,
1: two or more in my name. Yes.
2: Then we get to feel this very specific energy that that only happens at these retreats. And you. okay, thank you for saying that. You're right. But for me, I experience it here more than most other places. But you're absolutely right. It doesn't just happen here. Uh, if it did, then we'd be in trouble. But um, so I get that. So and I love the story. So it wasn't like, you know, it's, it's in, but then uh, aside from the skeptical part of my mind that kicks in whenever you're telling the stories, which goes goes crazy. I love them. But what I love more than the stories is the method. I love when Ramdas talks about the levels of consciousness. And I love the guided meditations and that and those things appeal to me. But that doesn't mean that the stories are terrible. It probably just means that I'm too dumb to, to harvest the energy I'm supposed to from those stories. But I love the the uh, I love the actual direction. You know, which you, it's, it's tough to get because he didn't give a lot of direction. But I do love the specific, like, there are several levels of consciousness. We are a soul. You can be a soul or you can be an ego and you get to decide which. That stuff makes my brain explode a mm-hmm. lot more than the, the stories. Though I think the stories are really cool.
1: I'm going to try one, though. Let's okay. hear it. Because, it, and it's going to go full, full circle to what this thing really is. Um, And it's from this book. So Dada was a student and uh, living in what's now Bangladesh. And his mother and his aunt were very, very uh, great devotees of God. And in this case, I think the mother. So they sent him to Dakshineshwar, which is where a saint named Sri Ramakrishna had his temple to Kali. And uh, he went there and doing his duty, that kind of a thing. And he's in the courtyard there one day. And a sadhu comes up to him and says, I want to give you a mantra. And Dada thinks to himself, who was not particularly religious, oh, God. All right, I'll do it just because of respect for my family. So he took the mantra, which he was supposed to repeat uh, every time he took a bath. Right? So it was a natural thing that he would obviously remember to do every day. He did it. This is, I, I don't know exactly, I think it's around 1930, okay? Eventually, he became a professor of economics at Allahabad University. Still kind of semi-worldly. Got married, was living in Allahabad, where the Ganga and the Yamuna and the Saraswati meet. His wife said, oh, there's a saint nearby, we should pop over there, and, you know, just out of respect... And it, one thing to, it led to another. He got over there. He goes in the house. And, and the saint says to him, are you still doing the mantra? It was Maharaji. And he said, now I'm coming to your house. And he went over and he started living at Dada's house and, and giving Darshan eventually to us, the Westerners who came here. So that was the, the, the uh, and he had many miracles like that. Or even greater. I mean, Maharaji took him literally flying around the Kenshi Valley uh, in the form of Hanuman. I mean, really stuff that you would never, ever. I mean, if, if Dada told you, you'd go. You'd fully grok it because it just couldn't be any, not a, a fib would ever come out of his mouth. He came to America and he met lots of, you know, we'd have kirtans and Krishnadas and I and all the people and we We'd have kirtans, and they'd all come, and he'd meet all these people he never met in India. And he said, "The greatest I've had the greatest miracles done on me by Maharaji, but the greatest miracle I ever saw was being with people who never met him that are as connected to him as I am. And that was, I don't know, in the early 80s or something. This has gone on for decades, and this is really part of what has been happening to us and i mean the big us where there's absolutely no necessity to have seen that body or being involved in any kind of physical way and and dada noted that at this time and and now this is you know a manifestation of that so that's a yeah you like that story
2: i love it and i think that uh i do i think there's you know uh a lot of you guys just came because of my podcast, some, some of you here came, and that's mind blowing to me that uh, for one, that you had the guts to do it, and uh, it's really incredible. It's really incredible to think about that. Uh, but yeah, I do recognize, and this is something I think is really important that I've learned from you guys, is to find the miracle in the moment, in the now, because that, it, the yeah. miracle seems to hide out in the present moment, you know, and, and you're, if you're all, if you're spending time looking around for it, for the magic thing to happen, you know, actually in that book, as I was skimming through another thing that I read, <laughs> now I'm telling Maharaji stories. This is oh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it is no escape. Uh, the, uh, the thing that I read that I thought was really incredible was, uh, <clears throat> so, it, so he's saying that people always wanted to come and, uh, have darshan with Maharaji and some people for whatever reason it it never happened they would never get in his presence Mm. and so he would try to bring them he would try to arrange meetings for these people who were probably really frustrated that they didn't get to meet him and uh, he said he wouldn't see them and and uh, some couple or some group he wouldn't see them and he said you know they don't they don't want my darshan they don't want to be in my presence they want to see the magic tricks they've heard I can do Mm. And I thought that was so cool because there's so there's such a, a pull in the direction of magic. Like you want to see this incredible miracle, you want to see whatever it is, you know, and in looking around for that miracle, it's so easy to miss what actually happened, which is that we all got in flying tubes that carried ac- us across the ocean to this place. And a lot of us. The way we arranged or organized getting here was by using the most advanced technology on the planet, the internet, to to organize. And also the fact that this is being streamed to the internet and the entire planet Mm -hmm. instantaneously. That, honestly, it makes flying around with a levitating monkey...
1: Seem like nothing.
2: Seem like, no, I was going to say seem like nothing. That's still pretty cool. I fly uh, around with okay. a monkey. <laughs> but it's like three down from that. It's like four down from that.
1: Yeah, that's true. So here we are. We're, this is the last talking kind of session. Because Krishnas is going to do his thing tonight. Although he might say a few words. He usually tries to reassure people who are starting to think about, "Oh my God, I'm going back now, and you know what's going to happen." Uh, but so this is a, a little bit of. Can you give us a, some sort of review of your weekend here? Yeah.
2: Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, um...
1: what what? Because we uh, Roshi and uh, came up with the cultivating the courage to love, right? Yes. And then I work with her, and then I put a bunch of stuff together, and that's you know kind of facilitated some of these sessions around that to really flesh out what you're talking about, yeah. which is given some tools that's what you're talking about to even think about this stuff or actually practice so what uh, amongst all of the courage cultivation stuff did you get? Did it ring any bell? oh
2: yeah, I mean for me the my favorite the the, the one of, well, there's two cool things I took away. I mean, it took a lot of, you know, taking away something, it's that, that's what the ego wants. It's like, oh, this is what I took away from this incredible thing, and I'll put it in my bank account and save it. Uh, the, the, a couple of things uh, I learned. One of them in the uh, interview I did with Krishnadas, I was asking him about the very interesting, sad feeling that seems to happen in the midst of. These retreats for me where somehow in the midst of feeling all this love and all this connection and so many different people opening up and seeing people randomly crying and I will randomly cry or people actively fighting back crying, which is kind of cool. You run into a lot of people who I've run into three people who are like, I'm not going to cry. I want to cry, but I'm not going to do it. Which is really cool. That that's a to me because that's a teaching too. You know, if you're fighting back against crying, then Mm. you're getting one of the great lessons. That was one of the first lessons I got when I came here. Mm. Was like, my God, I'm I'm constantly desperately trying to fight against Mm. weeping uh, or against opening opening up. And that's a really funny. That's like one of the stupidest battles of all time like fighting against love is one of the funniest wrestling matches to get in and uh you realize to love the courage to love so yeah that was but that was a a couple of retreats ago where i came and just realized that 80 percent of my life was dedicated to boxing back anyone trying to express affection or sweetness or love to me and when you come to this place the shocking thing is that everyone's doing that to you so (sighs) You get back to your room and you're exhausted like, God, I wish they'd just stopped trying to love me while I'm... it's so annoying. Do they not realize what an awful person I am? Yeah. And so, yeah, and then you realize, oh, well, I'm in, I'm in a war where my winning means me being without love in my life. And surrender means being completely embraced in the most sweet way by some very beautiful people. So that's something I've taken away uh, from these retreats. But though from this retreat, uh, when I asked Krishna das about what is this sadness that goes along with this, I was talking to someone at breakfast and they were saying how, how it was beautiful, but how sad they felt because for the first 50 years of their life, they hadn't known about this kind of thing. And there was a kind of sadness that they felt in relation right. to that And I feel that sadness uh, when I think, oh, man, if only I'd started this practice before my mom died. Oh, man, Mm -hmm. if only I'd pulled that off. Because so much of my interaction with her was from an ego place Mm -hmm. and uh, was was not from the place that she deserved, you know. But you can't get caught up in that. But there's a sadness, you know. And so Krishnadas said that sadness, that bittersweet feeling
1: Mm.
2: is actually the feeling of your heart. Longing. Longing. The longing of your heart drawing you in. Mm. It's the feeling of your heart throwing a tractor beam up and pulling your attention into that open hearted place. So. I never thought I never knew that's what it was, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought that was pretty cool. And then the other thing that I really liked was uh, Roshi Joan talking about radical insecurity, oh, because wow. that feeling of insecurity, you know, that you're always trying to fix, that feeling of insecurity that where you'll find yourself in your girlfriend's emails. <laughs> <laughs> you know that thing that's what it does that feeling of insecurity draws you to do the dumbest most ridiculous sad things because you want the feeling to end so much that feeling of not knowing you know Mm. uh so when she was saying oh that feeling of not knowing is actually the place to hang out in that was a big moment for me because you know i've had uh I'm, and by the way, sorry if I'm doing a grocery list of my troubles. I feel really happy right now. But, <laughs> I've, you know, when I got, when I've, I've had cancer, and um, I've had to go through waiting for test results yeah. for days, for days. I don't know if anybody here has gone through I'm sure lots of you have gone through that. But that experience of every single day looking at your phone, waiting for this number to come up that you know is your doctor... And he might tell you, I'm really sorry, we're going to have to start chemo, or we're going to have to, or who knows, something even worse. Mm. Holy God, that is the most intense feeling that, that, that I know of. The most incredible, uncomfortable, scary, brutal feeling that there is. And I have spent most of my life trying to avoid that feeling at all costs. So it was a big moment when mm. she pointed out that this is not a thing to avoid, but is sort of the uh, doorway to awakening i thought that was pretty cool
1: yeah those two things related to courage self-honesty self-reflection that's number one and then making friends with the un with the mystery and like she uses the mystery sometimes and i love that so that you're there isn't a fear of free falling
2: because we're free falling yeah this is something i've you know i've thought about before and uh I probably can't talk
1: about this up here. <laughs> Is it that bad?
2: Well, kind of, because, like, if you... Well, it's just a little...
1: Scatological or something?
2: Not scatological, but it's like we get exploded out of a vagina into infinity. Oh, that's and a we, terrible
1: thing to say. I'm
2: sorry. Yeah. But it's true. If you think about it, babies are pushed... In this, you have you ever seen a video of somebody parachuting, and they're freaking out, and somebody's got to push them out of the plane, and yeah. then they go falling down, yeah. and they're freaking out. Well, that's what we're doing to babies every second, except we're pushing them without oh. a parachute uh-huh. into infinity, and so I we're all. I never thought
1: of it that way. Actually.
2: Well, it's true. <laughs> Maharaji used to say that. I read it. <laughs> I, I read it somewhere. <laughs> Uh, but, but if you think about that, uh, how, how we're all plummeting in the direction of infinity, uh, complete oblivion, the singularity called death, maybe it's a phase shift, maybe it's not, we don't know what it is, that's, it's the definition of a singularity, we don't know what's past it, we don't know what happens, but we're all falling in the direction of that singularity, and as we're falling, we all sort of start doing these very strange things to avoid the fact that we're falling. And that, to me, is really funny because huge clusters of us, as we're plummeting into oblivion, put on business suits and get in our car and drive to work and think, this is completely normal. (laughs) It's you're plunging into oblivion and you're wearing a necktie? Are you serious? (laughs) You're plunging into the void and you feel completely normal being in gridlock traffic, going to a place that you hate to make money to support a life you don't like. And that's a pretty incredible thing because I think all of those behaviors are coming directly from the inability to turn and face that thing that you guys and Roshi are trying to push us in the direction of. It's pretty cool.
1: Ramdas does this great thing um, on identity, just what you're talking about, and he uses the spacesuit as an analogy. It's a, it's a beautiful uh, talk. It's, I'm going to talk about that actually later uh, when, before Das comes on, because it's something that we're doing at the foundation that I think people will love. Um, I, I want to switch gears here a little bit. I don't blame you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I would like to uh, invite uh, a member of the audience up here. Great, Gagen Baba, come on up. <laughs> Jared Levy, Gagan. Um, Jared Gagan and his wife Jyoti, also named Jocelyn, accompanied me to India a couple of years ago. And uh, he met, they met Sidima, and he got this name. Do, do people know? gagen means limitless sky. I never heard her give any kind of name like that. And, uh, and it really suits him because his imagination is, oh, right, imagination. Hi. Am I blocking you there? No.
3: You're blocking. I'm getting Duncan's lower thigh. It's good. Oh.
1: Um,
2: What's that like getting a name?
3: Well because we came with Ragu, who 's like grandson to these people, we just got taken in like family and um, you know when we were when we came to Kenshi when we came to Kenshi, I mean uh, people came from you know ten hours away, people came from all over the world to sit with Sidi for five minutes and sit at her feet because we came with ragu and i 'm not trying to start a tour company or anything here for Ragu but um, she took us into her garden and, uh, and sat with then Jocelyn and I. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, we got the, the transmission. I mean, when, when you know, for, for guys like you and I who are getting this kind of second hand and get the hit and, the, and have the trust, you know, the complete trust in Ragu and, and Ramesh and Krishnadas and, and these guys, you, you start to see the rays of Maharaji coming through them. When I sat with City Ma, it was, it was like the sun was in front of us. I mean, you know, my wife and I have talked, to, talked about it a lot since then. I have a diary of kind of everything she, she said to us. But uh, it's, it's really, you know, something special. When she gave me that name, I mean, it's funny because when, you know, when, when Jocelyn and I fight, it's Jocelyn and Jared fighting. <laughs> when, we're, when we're one, when we're love, it's Jyoti and Goggin. That's mm. cool,
2: how, but how, how do they do it? Like, how does she do it? Did, did, did she say what's? The, is there a ceremony, or how does it? Is it organically just happen?
1: I said, Jared wants a name, Ma. <laughs> Something like that. Right?
3: Kind of disappointing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was, it was on the uh, when I flew in. You give fifty bucks, you get a name. It's great. You go home, you're enlightened. Boom, done. <laughs> Can you, can you talk a little? I'm sorry. I know you have no, a question. No, for,
2: no, I'm no. just fascinated by the being around people like that because we hear so much about them. What, what, leading up to it, before you met her, were you feeling anything? Was it in your dreams? Did you have some kind of, did you feel like you were being drawn into something? And uh, when you finally got around her, um, did, what, can, you, can you describe what her movements were like or what she was like?
3: Well, the, the movements that I remember most, to be honest, was when we went to her house and Raghu was playing harmonium and singing. What were you singing? Uh, Madurga? Singing Madurga. And she was just tapping to Madurga. And you could see this just, it was like a little girl sitting up in the seat. She was kind of like sitting like this, and just, you know, playing while, while Raghu was... Uh, you know, seeing the harmony. I mean, it, it really brings me back there right now, just thinking about it. But um, you know, she's got this this light where you know when someone just gives you the flick of an eye, you just get a little a little bit of the iris looking in, and it just pierces you. I mean, that mala ceremony with Ramdas, that's the kind of feeling. You know, Ma, Ma and Ramdas are like brother sister. I mean, that's kind of how it seems like they refer to each other. Do you feel like they get the same? You know, a similar transmission.
1: No, well, it's different. I mean, it's different because it's mother. Mother makes it completely different. Completely different uh, from Maharaji. And uh, it's, it's, it's a little difficult because when he left, literally, before he left, when he was alive, we, she did not come out and we never knew her, except through the window and the back of a door. I knew who she was. And we'd t- have glimpses of her, but they always, she and Jivanti Ma, her sidekick, always stayed in the back. And then when he left, she came out front, and then she started telling us everything that went on that we had no idea about. Maharaji would go in the back room and say, oh yeah, today Krishna Das came, and he, I, you know, I gave him 50 rupees to get a drum, or something like that, I mean, not quite. So then she became a, a mother, like, a real mother, aside from Maharaji, had—I uh, mean, she was known to us to be a um, like Durga, you know. So that's why when I sang that particular kirtan to Durga, it was just just to her. So there was there is that relationship of, but then there's also just like family mother
3: but there's also uh, and I'm I'm curious on your thoughts on this cuz what I had leading up to it and maybe this is what you're getting to is like this immense sense of butterflies like this had been made into this huge thing. I've been reading Ram Dass since I you know my cousin gave me mushrooms and be here now when I was like 13 and then and told me to figure it out and then you know and now I'm here <laughs> but um when when I when I got there and and you know you you sit with ragu you sit with these guys and you you just get the the love and the feeling and and their immense you know faith uh that's the word i had for it then now surrender more to you know and one and so you get this all built up and i'm such like a you know it's i'm more of a intellectual guy like when krishnadas was talking about gyones and devotees the other day i'm on that gyone path you know which can and uh So I was, I was wondering as I was leading up to it, like how much of this am I just building up psychologically in me for this to be this like big enlightening experience, you know, where I was going to take off when I got to meet her. Um, and then when I got in the room and it was like climax you know i'm sitting there with her and i'm and i'm and i'm looking at her and i'm and how much of this am i building up in my own head then i've got that skeptic on my shoulder that kind of spy you know sharon calls it like the spy consciousness you know watching me from my shoulder and kind of like is this me doing this is this really is this the transmission from hers so that's what i've been struggling with is like and this next generation who doesn't get it direct from source but gets it through do you, I mean, do you feel any of that? Like when you, as, do you consider yourself, you know, devotee to, to Maharaji? And what's, what's kind of the. Oh God, I
2: wish I had that kind of confidence, man. I've my, it's so weird. Like I'm so generally insecure that as much as I would love the idea to be a, a devotee, it'd be really cool, uh, Man, I've, I'm almost... I'm 90% certain... What is it he says when he tells people to go away? Jow. I'm 90% Jow. certain if I ran into him, he'd be like, Jow, go, get out of here, what are you doing? Uh, that's, that's sort of how I feel. So, And I don't know why. I know that's ridiculous. Probably a waste of time. Um,
1: Total. Uh,
2: I've, had a ton, I, I've had a ton of experiences with him. Crazy experiences. Crazy experiences uh, and, and I have this, this spy on my shoulder, too. That's, so I almost every single time, I'm like, well, that's because you ate medical marijuana. Well, that's because you were on mushrooms. That's because you were... Well, those uh, are basically the two
1: reasons. Sense, yeah.
2: <laughs> but, you know, I can remember once um, I, I was walking my dog. I mean, this is such a weird story. I hope you guys will forgive me. I've, the fact that I'm saying it is so weird. But I was walking my dog down by the L.A. River. And uh, I'd been thinking a lot about the ego and, you know, I get angry sometimes. So I've been thinking a lot about my anger. And I have this picture of Maharaji there. And like Raghu had recently told me, oh, you know, you can pray to him. And I remember when you told me, you can t- talk, talk to him. him.
1: You can pray. I then. translated it into
2: prayer. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. I'm never going to do that. And then I was talking to him uh, saying, can you help me with this, ang- you know, anger thing? I've got this anger problem. So I'm walking by the L.A. River, and I pass this couple, this man and woman, this older man and woman, and my dog starts barking at the man, just barking, ah, and I remember the man, like, looks at my dog with this beautiful smile, like, smiles at my dog. My dog stopped barking. I'm walking down the L.A. River, I'm like, who was that guy? I've seen that guy before. I'm like, oh, holy (laughs) <laughs> I'm try not to curse <laughs> that was maharaji that looked exactly like maharaji and then you know of course i turned around and they're like long gone it's like oh my god what was that because because after you know after that i've been thinking like oh the way he smiled at the anger and it's like oh just smile at it love it there's the teaching embodied in that thing now was that really maharaji no couldn't have been, no way. He didn't teleport to Atwater Village to the LA River <laughs> to smile at my dog from the afterlife. No.
1: But the. No. The, you know that. What's that? You know that for sure? I don't know it for sure. Oh, okay. But I'm
2: 99.9% certain that that was not a
1: ghost. What about we have a friend who was taking a bus in London while he was still in a body, right? And a man got on the bus and sat down beside her. He was so compelling, but she, she suddenly just did that. And it's, uh, it turns out she didn't know it at the time. It's a beautiful man, and, and she, he just contacted. She would have to look away and back and forth and got off the bus. Next thing she knows, somebody gives her a, a B here now, and there's Maharaji. She goes to India, okay, sees Maharaji, I don't know what he said to her, but it was something like nice bus ride, whatever right. okay, well, she knew he told her to make her know that yes, that was it, so why can't it be this
2: well, i mean- it, uh, here's the thing this is what I've come to realize does it matter that's the question does it matter if it was if it was real, if it wasn't does it matter and and I think it's a really important question because You know, Roshi Joan was talking about how this is a reflection of ourselves. This is a reflection of the deepest love inside of us. This is a reflection of our full potentiality. And, you know, how often do you hear these annoying debates about the historic Jesus? Was he real? Did he do miracles? I saw this ridiculous Documentary on here's how he could have walked on water. They were like some <laughs> Christian scientist was trying to explain, like maybe he, like he generated some kind of thing with his feet. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous because it's because t- it's like you're missing the entire point when you get caught up in that stuff. And by you, I mean me. It's it's so it, I I don't think it matters. I think that what does matter is that uh, you can use this symbol. Uh, as a mechanism to see the parts of yourself that are shut down or closed off and the potential of how much you can really love. And if it's real, wonderful. Thank God, it's amazing we exist in a universe where beings like this incarnate and do miracles uh, from time to time and then vanish. It's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing. But if it's not real... That doesn't diminish the feeling that I have gotten I mean, from if, being if around it you guys. If it wasn't
1: him, because the thing was real, whatever happened to you was real. Right,
2: and I've noticed that, the, and I think that's part of this path is that you start recognizing that the whole thing's a teaching. Yeah, that even your own doubt is teaching you. Even your own doubt is the same form of resistance, just to try to desperately escape from being overwhelmed by whatever right. this is.
3: Yeah, I mean, it almost it would be easier. If you had the magic trick in front of you, that's part of the path, you know. Finding the faith, finding the surrender. Without that, you know, trick, bob over the head, dive, whatever you want to call it, to for us to to come onto the path and and find that surrender, find that faith. I mean, I sat in you know KK's house with you and KK and fought about this for five hours, yeah. and Ragu just keeps looking at me and saying, "Just surrender." Just surrender. And, you know, I'm overthinking it. It's just you keep overthinking. You keep, you know, plowing that field and saying, okay, but if that The fact of the matter is, like you said, with Jesus, you know, how many millions of people have done amazing things in the name of Jesus? have made their lives better, whatever the religion is. You know, when, when someone mentions Jesus and they find out I'm Jewish, they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, I love Jesus. What, the f- what are you talking about? You know, it, it, I, and I think the symbol, like you said, it's, it's that symbol, that faith that bring people to uh, do better things with their life, to find, you know, uh, purpose in their life is, is really finding that surrender into, you know, Maharaji Jesus, the one, whatever you want to call it.
1: None of us were any different than anybody, when we went to India. The reason why, I mean, when Ram Dass came back and he said, this is what happened to me with this being, of course, the way that he said, just like now, everybody here, you know, you just, the gravita of who he is lends a trust and ultimately a faith, and that's what we had. I mean, Ramesh and, I mean, the people you've met, Krishna Das. Uh, Badrinath, who's here, just absolutely trusted that, and then we went over. We had the same kind of mind warp going on, absolutely the same, and it took time for that to, you know, to dissipate. And um, what what's being the tools that are being given here now are are pretty incredible versus what we might have had then, and the speed at which you can get them. Um, one of the things we were going to talk about, which I want to get to, is what Ram Dass talks about imagination. You know, he says, you can talk to, my, I talk to Maharaji in my imagination and then it becomes real, he says. So we, we had a little bit of a dialectic about that and uh, we thought, well, let's talk about it here. What does imagination in that sense mean to you?
3: Well, it was, <laughs> I think our, our conversation was, how, have you guys heard when Ram Das talks about, you know, people say, oh, so you talk to your gurus? Like, yeah, it's in my imagination. And he, he sees that as, as one, you know, with Maharaj. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's within Ram Das, It's one. It's all together. So that's what I think that the dialogue started at was when Ram Das says he's talking to Maharaji in his imagination. Is he really talking to Maharaj? Is he talking to himself and does it matter?
1: I think, now I, I think what, uh, and we've never really discussed this, Ramdas and I. We should, it's probably worthy of a, of, a, of a discussion from his point of view. But I, I do believe it's the imagination is the instigator. because, And this is what I said to him you have a thought of Maharaji, you have a, a picture, and you and mentally, you're just sitting there talking to him about whatever, and the deeper that you go, from the place from which you're talking to him, changes from your mind, into a much more intuitive place, which you know he calls soul, spiritual heart, whatever, and from that place, something else happens that's not so mental. It's nothing to do with that. And then it sort of fits in with what you just said, which is, that's a reality of a conversation that happens with, with deep down in yourself, because Maharaji is, God guru and self are one, said Ramana Maharshi. What does it mean to you, the imagination thing?
2: Well, uh, you know, this is really cool. This is, I'm actually reading, I'm going to mispronounce his name. Uh, I'm sure someone here knows how to pronounce it. Teilhard de Chardon. Do you guys know him? Talk? Have you ever heard of him? Teyard. so he's amazing, and one of the things that he talks about is how science has managed to, you know, map the outer verse, you know, and that, and we've got probes on Mars right now. We've uh, we've got incredible telescopes that are, you know, evolving so rapidly that it, it's we're going to be able to peer. Um, you know, we can even now like peer back to almost the Big Bang, you know, with science. It's incredible. But science has yet to send one probe into the innerverse. Like there's no way to send a Cassini, there's no way to send a Hubble into what's going on in the interior of the human consciousness. There's no way to do it through science. So because of that, this innerverse gets kind of uh, negated, not because it's not real, but it's just like, how do we measure it? How do you measure a imaginary conversation with Neem Karoli Baba? How do we gauge that? How, do you, how does that work? There's no way. It's such an uncharted terrain that the only way you can go there is through art. The only way you can go there is through spirituality. The only way you can go there is through conversations like this. So one thing's for certain. If you're talking to Neem Kroli Baba in your mind, that's really happening. There is a definite 100% thing that is happening. And if you ask yourself, well, what is this thing that's happening? Well, the things that's happening is that you, which is the very crest of the wave of time, manifesting as a human being, and if you consider just that, this perfect harmony of atoms and all the things that are inside of us, you know all the bacteria all the all the other forms of life that make us function, if you consider this thing, which is the universe experiencing itself, is at this very moment using the most advanced computer known in the universe, which is the human mind, to manifest this vision of a being and have this communication that's definitely, definitely happening. so is the thing you 're speaking with real? Yeah, it's definitely real. It's 100% real. It's a it's a miracle that's happening there. Is it Maharaji? I don't know. I have no idea. And I don't I don't and I think you know and you guys feel cert, com, confident that it is. And and I'm willing to believe that it is. But again, I think that for me it's like, well, it doesn't it's it doesn't really matter. You know, when you have a nice DMT trip, one of the first things <laughs> you think to yourself is uh, for those of you guys who haven't done that. Um,
1: Try ayahuasca instead. Well, ayahuasca is DMT. Except for one of the. Is it completely the same? I think there's yeah, one molecule. Yeah, it's an
2: MAO inhibitor that. Uh, ayahuasca is two things. One of them's an MAO inhibitor, the other one's a. Uh, the dimethyltryptamine, and it allows it to pass the blood brain barrier. It just lasts longer because it's gone through your uh-huh. stomach. You know so this he,
1: from Joe Rogan, told you this?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and some some personal research, but uh yeah.
1: <laughs> but
2: so any so but the point is, you know if you've had that experience, one thing that you immediately think and it's an endless subject of debate is this something that I'm seeing inside my mind has somehow this Chemical unlocked something in my mind that is allowing me to witness the most incredible impossible beautiful geometries a universe teeming with life Extra-dimensional entities and the sense of having some transcendent consciousness Blasting me with love is this something happening within my mind or is this something happening? outside that I've been unaware of or haven't been able to witness and I guess the real question is what is the inside and what is the outside anyway? You know, because the inside is the outside, isn't it? The inside and the outside are the exact same thing. There is no inside or outside. There's just this one moment that for whatever reason, from time to time, has manifested thought forms that look like Neem Karoli Baba, that, and, it, and it has conversations with it. And whatever that is, if you could figure it out, then I will ask you for a name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> give him a name, please. Just give him a name, and then he'll shut
3: up about this shit.
2: I'm naming myself.
3: Dimethyltripoline, Baba?
2: <laughs> I was thinking my TIDAS.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's more like it. All
1: right, you, you've gone off deep in. Now, I'm, um, I want to bring up somebody else now to give us a little bit of a different point of view for our last few minutes here. And it's going to be my... Beautiful wife, Saraswati Marcus. Come on up. We just have to get a, a view from goddess side rather than working man, everyday working man scientist over here. Um, actually, what's proved interesting is your guys, kind of your... Uh, Perspective on being uh, a different generation, having a relationship with with Maharaji and what that might be. You've expressed it. And you've expressed it. Now we're gonna we're gonna ask you to to express it. What am I expressing? Sit down. Okay. So we want my love. We want your point of view about meeting maharaji through uh, and just tell a little bit of your story how you did meet him and these guys were both expressing their relationship with with him at this point he said absolutely to consider myself a devotee of maharaji you'd be crazy i'm so not worthy of that insecure. and huh? Insecure. Insecure. Here's insecure, and over here is uh, Mr. Guion. I need to think about this no, he, a little bit more. I think more.
4: He's, he said Guiones, and I was also I was wondering what are your Guiones? <laughs>
1: <are the> <laughs> no, he he meant Guion.
3: Let's, <laughs> no, let's go with Guion. <laughs> yeah, I think so.
4: No, I, I thought Guiones was funny. I was like, oh,
3: yeah. like cojones? Like
4: cojones. I thought I like it, it, it reminded me of that. i was ba- I am go- a bad person too.
3: <laughs> okay, give. Let's.
1: Get on with your story.
4: <laughs> but what I think is interesting about gyan is that um, uh, it, it means knowledge or right, the path of wisdom, but also um, it's um, the same word, how we use knowledge, has the K-N, so it's not knowledge, it's knowledge, and the same with um, nyana, it's sort of like a nyan Nyana. Anyway, I just find that interesting. Does anyone else find that interesting? Is it, Yeah, it's interesting, right? Thank you, Davey. One, I have one, one supporter. But before, can I just say one other thing about... Um, or You looked at me like, no.
1: Yeah, no, go, please.
4: All right, just really quickly. I was just thinking, when you were talking, Duncan, about um, the imagination and, you know, trying to... Uh, uh, look at the inside and um, and how can you how can you um, uh, frame out something that can 't be measured uh, so it, if it can 't be measured um, then that equals it doesn 't exist I think is really a problem with the question yeah. so that that uh, so it struck me that it you know that we have to move away from this more um mechanistic like this thing is a machine um reductionistic view and so yeah
2: i agree yeah, yeah. i think you're absolutely right but this you, we've been that's what i've been raised in i mean that's the we've, we've all, all been with wa- yes yeah, we've all been raised so in. it's like a heavy duty bit of conditioning which is that any like all anything that is cannot be repeated or anything that cannot be proven uh scientifically is something that you're supposed to be immensely, deeply skeptical of. And I think that's, that becomes a problem in, uh, sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes it definitely keeps you from... It's like imagine if before you went diving into the ocean, you had to you know, have thousands of measurements that you had to take. And you, you probably know that story of like... Uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to hijack this. You know the story of Buddha... This, the Buddhist story of the king who gets hit with an arrow. You know yeah, that story? I do. Can you tell that story so I don't have to seem like such a yappy jerk? Um,
4: the, I can't tell it well. I'm not a great storyteller. But the gist of the story is that, um, you know, if, if we are, happen to be somewhere and we are struck by an arrow, that we would encounter pain. Is that fair? Right? If you're struck by an arrow, you'd have pain. Um, But, so we don't really have so much choice around pain of the first arrow, but we have some uh, relationships. We can have a conversation. We have a choice about whether or not we accept a second arrow. And the second arrow is usually the way we feel about the first arrow. You know, that, oh, I was stupid to be walking in that place, or I should have been looking around so I would be able to protect myself or I should you know I deserved that arrow you know and so the, you have the pain of the first one and then the second arrow is all the things and
2: sto- that's that is a good better story the story I was thinking of though very quickly very quickly a king's walking because it relates to what we're that part of our mind that's like come on this is there's what is this it, how do I measure it how do I identify it? so there's this great Buddhist story forgive me if you've heard it A king is walking in the woods, is hit with an arrow, is laying on the ground. He's got an arrow sticking out of him, and one of his attendants comes and says, Here, let me help you get this arrow out. And the king's like, No, 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 are you kidding? But someone that we could be ambushed right now, someone could be trying to, uh, there could be another attack. Scan the forest and find out who shot the arrow. And then, and so he brings back, they go out and find a hunter. And they bring that, and the hunter's like, I'm so sorry, it was an accident. I I didn't mean to uh, hit you with this arrow. And they're like, well, can we take the arrow out now? And the king, at this point in the story, I don't really understand it, but for whatever reason, the king is like, well, I must know what kind of wood the arrow is made out of. And then, of course, it's what kind of, what, are the, what bird did the feathers come from? What was the steel at the tip of the arrow? The, the king is asking all these ridiculous questions, and as in the midst of asking these, finally he just dies. And so this story is supposed to relate to that part of the mind that is like, just... You know, just take the arrow out, dum-dum. We'll figure it out later. But, uh, And I think that any bona fide spiritual path or vehicle, which is what this certainly is, is a means to get the arrow out. And the longer you consider the specifics and intricacies of it, probably the longer you're putting off extinguishing that pain that you are talking
3: right. about. But how many, how, everyone was here yesterday when Duncan was talking about building the house on the edge of the diving board. How many people feel like that? How many people resonated with that story? Yeah, I resonated with that. You know, it, it seems really easy to pull the arrow out. I mean, it's easier, right? There's like some philosopher, I forget who it was, Leibniz or something that, that, that basically said, just believe in God. Because if you believe in God and there is a God, you're saved. If there's not, you're in the same position. If you don't believe in God, you're fucked either way. Yeah. <laughs> so you might as well just believe in God.
2: Maharaji said that. <laughs> I love saying that.
1: Okay, I still want to hear from you about your relationship. Mm-hmm. Talking about people who never met him in the body.
4: Mm-hmm. And I'm just not quite sure what to, you know... Um, so, like, how how did I come to know Maharaji? No, what, or?
1: what is your? We talked about insecure relationship and the gyani kind of feeling out relationship.
4: Yeah, um, I mean, my experience has been much more like a process of feeling um, much more connected and um, and. Then that thinning out to some degree where I feel maybe less connected. And then something happens that points me back towards, uh, you know, feeling, feeling something. I mean, the times where I feel um, less, um, uh, when the times when I feel all, um, all on my own um, are really uncomfortable. But I was talking to somebody recently, and I was saying those times have become, um, um, they don't worry me so much as they used to. When I feel alone or when things thin out, um, that is, the connection thins out for whatever reason. could be just I'm hungry. You know? It's not like it doesn't have to be something earth-shattering. It could be I didn't get enough sleep or, you know, it's just, you know... Um, or it could be that I'm not doing the practices that I know help keep me hooked in, you know, to something more real that I don't need to measure that actually to measure it would cheapen it because it's like, um, it's like the fact that we can't measure it makes it valuable. It's like that, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, it's sort of like giving $50 to get a name, you know, it's sort of like, you know, um, So I, I think um, I'm just balancing out. There was a lot of talking. So I'm just like, I'm a little quieter. Um, I'm trying to remember what I was going to say. Just about um, I let, when, I'm feel, when it feels thinned out, I less frantically try to rearrange the outside of my life. That's really what um, things have have evolved I, you know I used to oh uh, okay I got to change my career path oh I've just got to make more money oops I've got to change my relationship oh okay maybe I'll buy another pair of shoes the same shoes I'm going to buy them a different color or whatever it is um, I've less frantically rearranged that my outsides um, you know,
3: it, it actually, what, you, what you're saying, too, um, is something you and I and Sharon talked about before, but it, it relates to purpose a little bit. And, you know, different people find purpose in different parts of their lives. I mean, a lot of people, you know, I came out of the music industry. I know you did, too, which is like, a, you know, a shithole of a, of a business. And you're not happy with yourself. I mean, even when you're successful, you're not happy with yourself because, you know, you go in these meetings and you got to take a shower when you get out of it. It's like disgusting. And, I wasn't in that part of the Oh right, sure. I'm sure the Kirtan business it was
1: it wasn't Kirtan business, but everyone was a delight on, on our side. <laughs> sure.
3: In 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 my side of the business, everyone was not a delight. <laughs> um, and uh, I was having trouble, you know, finding purpose in my work. I mean, I was making a lot of money in one side, and then I was, um, you know, carrying out some philanthropic stuff on the other. Like, your, I love your story about the, the bags the other day. You know, it's kind of like you can do, hang, do your, your podcast, stuff like that, and then you can go out and you can do good things. That's, my life was a dichotomy. So I was working over here, making money, uh, taking care of family, and then over here, giving back in some way. And really, when it when it got when I started to fill that that uh, hole um, was when I integrated those two things. Was when they came together, and it wasn't just about the dichotomy, but it started to integrate into one. And and like you're doing with your podcast, I'd say both you know all of all of you guys, but specifically you two, spreading this consciousness to people who don't usually get it. That's a very purposeful. You know, that's needed. This is like saving people. So I I also think that. you know what 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 you were saying as well when you have that purpose you don't veer as much off the path like you handle challenges with grace you know so some of what you were saying where it's a little easier you're a little more flexible when it comes in when the challenges come when you've got that purpose you know and i was talking about work just now but you were talking about spiritually and there's purpose and meaning in each of those paths so maharaji i think being that kind of north star that purpose, that meaning, whenever your practice, you don't get bumped off as fast, you know.
1: Okay, I, I don't know if I'd call it purpose, and I was really going to extend it as uh, the basic trust, and you, can, you know, and then that moves to faith, which involves surrender. But the basic trust, and I've been talking about this all weekend individually, and uh, from here, when Ramdas came back. And I and you heard Krishnadas talk about it. And Ramesh, when we came, when he came there, and he said what he said, we had a basic trust in him that this that love was real, and we knew that. And, and, and obviously, and and we did a podcast yesterday with Krishnadas. At one point, he said, "I've been doing this for decades, and I'm still fucked up." Right? Remember that? We were like, yeah. and he was like. Oh, my God, that's the greatest thing I ever heard. If you're still screwed up, then But he and he also said, but I am not jumping into this stuff, just like Saraswati just said. I'm not propagating it. I'm not chasing it. It's a different relationship. Exactly what you just said, that it's handled with grace is is a great phrase for that. And that's because of that basic trust which turns into faith and it's not in an external Maharaji. It's in that which is deep inside of us which tell me if there's one person here who in the last two nights this, these kirtans have really, really taken off. At the end of the kirtan when he does that chalisa and into the Sitaram Shriram Is there anyone here who wasn't right, I mean, to some degree, I mean, I'm saying, in both nights, I was completely, utterly in that uh, essence of, and not thinking about anything, and not, when is it over, when is it going to start, nothing. Which was nothing more or less than when I sat personally with Maharaji in that same place. That happened the last two nights, I mean... Am I crazy, or is anybody else feeling the same thing? I mean, and this isn't, I feel like a cheerleader now, you better say something, okay? But I'm just that, and I experience, like if I go to, there's there's a Hanuman Murti in Taos, which is Maharaji's ashram in America, and every time i walk in that room and just sit with that murti which and i'm not i went to india i'm not into i'm not into any of maharaji's murtis in any of those places i'm not to, you know i'm not into idols uh, there, but a couple have struck me this being one of them because when i sit there that same essence of sitting with maharaji or sitting uh, with a satsang and doing kirtan and and suddenly there's a moment when the, There's absolutely nothing. That is what we're talking about. And the rest of life, and in terms of relation to Maharaji, is that basic trust, which turns into faith, that it's all okay. And so you're not reacting to, you're reacting with grace, which I love that. So um, in that sense, that's what Dada was talking about. And he saw it in these people, that they had this grace, and you know, mind is mind. I mean, we ca- Maharaji would do miracles. And you'd still go, "Yeah, well, that's good. I need another one tomorrow. You know, tell me something else that I didn't know about." I mean, and it wasn't you know, in I mean, it was extraordinary how much. The mind will never end. You'll never, I mean, what in the Bible? Christ said, lest you see miracles, blah, 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 right? And we were living that. Wait,
2: you have to finish the verse. You can't just go. Okay, blah, you blah, do blah.
1: it. I'm not Christian.
2: I don't know the verse. Lest, lest you, you see miracles,
1: blah, 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 blah. Okay, who's a, a Christian here? Somebody finish this. Rita, you know it. <laughs> no one knows that verse, right? Really? Okay, I'm going to look it up and I'll. Oh, okay. There you go. Thank you. That's it exactly.
2: Yeah, that's it. And I think that's an important. I think that's an important thing because the, what everyone's about to go diving back into is tomorrow, and tomorrow means going to the airport. And the plane lands, and you're back in traffic, and you're back at work, and you're back, uh, and you're not in Hawaii anymore. Maybe you are. But my experience after these retreats has been that there is a really interesting um, crash that can happen where suddenly you're, um, instead of being around all of this, all these beautiful people, and all this love and sweetness and support, you're around a lot of. Walking calluses, and a lot of people who aren't very interested in hearing about your great spiritual retreat in Maui. One of my friends already said to me, You can't call it a retreat if you keep going back to it. You're there all the time. But so, I think that it's really important to learn to forget about all the, the, the miracles, and to forget about the magic, and forget about the synchronicities, and, and, and forget about any of that stuff, if it happens, fantastic. But the big teaching that I get from you guys is being able to see how Maharaji, or the energy behind Maharaji, is everything. And that you're constantly in Maharaji's blanket. You're constantly surrounded by love. And that these people, you know, you don't have, it's not, it's literally everyone. It's your dog, it's your boss, it's your mind telling you this can't possibly be real. Mm -hmm. It's the sorrow. The entire spectrum is like every single thing is the smoke rising off of the incense at the eternal puja table that is Maharaji. And I think that once you start recognizing that stuff, everything turns into a miracle, right?
1: You are absolutely correct. You you are now graduated to a devotee, okay?
2: Hey, awesome!
1: And that's the end of our show, as they say, because that's a beautiful note to end on. And really, thank you. Actually, thank you for that. That was absolutely. We're going to transcribe that and put that out on ramdas.org. Thanks. Um, Thank you, everybody, for showing up. Thanks to Gagen. Saraswati Devi. and I really want to give you a name. Give hour. me one. I got it next uh, December. Okay, In great. December it's coming. Gonna to talk to Ram Das about it. Cool. Okay, see you. See you all later. See you tonight. Uh-huh.